Today on The Vergecast, Allison Johnson and Monica Chin join us. We'll get into everything from Samsung Galaxy Unpacked and, of course, all the big tech news this week. That's coming up right after this. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of loading your dishwasher. Liam, he won't do it. Our producer, <laughs> Liam, just told us, this is a true story, that he could spend a full hour talking about how to load a dishwasher the, the right way. Now he's, he's, ro- he's like rolling farther and farther away from his microphone. If we ever launch a subscription tier of this podcast, it's just going to be dishwasher tips. <laughs> I'm here for it. It's going to be amazing. We have a lot to talk about today. Uh, there's apparently a difference between modern dishwashers and older dishwashers. And drying aid is a thing. Drying aid is a thing. It's a blue liquid. <laughs> the only thing I know is that everyone has their own way of loading a dishwasher. If you are ever going to have a roommate or a partner, make sure that you see how they load a dishwasher first because I guarantee you won't like but it. But Liam's way yeah. is the only right way. Yeah, I'm obviously. convinced. <laughs> It's true. People say you should talk about money before you get married. You should sit down and be like, all right, here's a picture of a dishwasher. I want you to just start free associating and let's see if this is going to work. <laughs> By the way, new dishwashers have two propellers. Old ones only have one, which Liam says changes your whole strategy. He's now turned his back. No, and I was looking at me. <laughs> if you haven't countered your propellers, what are you even doing? Yeah, what, why are, what what are, are you even are you? All right. Kranz is on vacation, but we have an all-star lineup here. I'm your friend, Neli. Allison Johnson's here. Hey, Allison. Hello. Monica Chin. Hey, I'm coming to you live from my very own camera. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> we got some notes that turning on the cameras again it just alters our vibe. I agree. Which we know. And yeah. now Monica's like, it is, because now I have my own camera. Richard Lawler's here. <laughs> no NVIDIA effects. Yeah, what are you doing, do man? They said, they said it was illegal. You, can you tri- can, we, didn't, we didn't give the people the effects last week. We had some technical difficulties. Here's what I'd like you to do. Just turn them on randomly throughout the show, <laughs> and we'll see if people can notice. We'll try and guess. Yeah, we'll try and guess if you're we'll looking see. directly we'll at the camera or if it's AI-powered GPU software. That is my eyes. I guarantee this. None of this has been AI-enhanced or written by ChatGPT. <laughs> I would, actually, can we get like a ChatGPT version of me to host this show? Because I that would be great. <laughs> Everyone knows my job. At this point, there's enough training material for ChatGPT. It's like, he's going to bitch about Atmos, 
and then probably complain about the government, and that's the whole show. <laughs> What's Comcast doing this HDMI week? HDMI 2.1 <laughs> will come up. All right, there there is a lot of news this week. There's uh, Samsung Galaxy Unpacked 2023. There's new laptops. There's the new S23 and S23 Ultra. There There is some news about the government. <laughs> The government remains hopelessly confused about the tech industry uh, and its earnings. Richard and the news team have been deep in earnings season. We had Alphabet earnings, we had Meta earnings. Mark Zuckerberg said the word efficiency on the Meta earnings call uh, 5,000 times in a row. He went from the metaverse to efficiency. So I, I would say things are, are going strangely at Meta. All this stuff to talk about. Let's start with the most important news out of Samsung Galaxy Impact 2023, which was an announcement, and I think that we all agree that this is the most important news, mixed reality partnership between Google, Qualcomm, and Samsung. It's a lot of companies. It's a lot of companies. They announced, it, the quote was, it's more of a declarative announcement that they will work together on mixed reality in the future, but they, are, they would like you to be aware that at some point, something will happen. We're aware. Well, I mean, this was like a big deal. Like in the middle of the event, Allison, you were in the room. They like stopped the show. They brought on the executives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a full like Academy Awards moment, you know, like (laughs) close ups of executives. And then they came on stage and they're like hugging and it it, (laughs) accepted speeches. It was so strange. And then like it just instantly brought the vibe down and you could just feel like everyone was suddenly like very confused and bored. And, (laughs) and then Tamra was like, that's it. We're done. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, we don't have any real plans. I was just going to read you some of these quotes. Each player is taking a leadership in each category, and then we'll be working very closely together across the different categories. <laughs> like, if I'm Apple and I'm working on my headset, I'm, like, shaking in my boots. I'm like, get to work, you guys. How is it even possible that they could have so little to announce? I mean, like, Meta makes a headset that runs on some variation of Android, right? Yeah. Samsung makes the displays that are in the, the Quest 2, like, at its basic level is a mid-range Android phone you put on your face. Like, that's what it is. It has a Qualcomm chip. It has an OLED display. They're just like, so true. I don't know, some lenses. <laughs> just like, bolt this thing to your face. This is the future of all, all reality. And it works. It's very convincing. But that's like what it is. And Google has been working on mixed reality hardware for years. They should be able to fake something, right? They should be able to just make something up and have like a shadowy box on stage and say, that's I mean, rip it. to the cardboard. Yeah. Uh, we're here. Google's Kaori Miyaki, when asked for comment, added, uh, we're excited to work with our partners to build a new generation of immersive computing experiences that will further elevate what users can do with Google. This really sounds like ChatGPT wrote it. <laughs> if you were like, ChatGPT, write an announcement. So here's what... <laughs> Just an announcement in general. Here are the three players in the Android <laughs> ecosystem. Just get them yeah. on stage together. Elevating what you can do with Google. <laughs> it's like, here's right. what So the reason I bring this up first is, one, it's hilarious. Just like fundamentally hilarious that they announced nothing. <laughs> it's good. It's, I mean... So now it's that they're all friends. It's, yeah. We're just like, yeah. that, that was the vibe. But two, this was Samsung's first unpacked in person in a long time. And, like, I, I feel like this is a marker of a return to in-person events. Because if you were not in person and you're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put out a press release and we're going to make a video. Like, you would get to the stage where you, like, hired a video crew to be like, make a video. And the video crew would be like, what is the video about? And then you would not do this. <laughs> 
<laughs> like you would stop. But you're in person. You're like, all right, we got everybody together. Like the Google executive is going to be here. The Qualcomm. Let's just get him on stage. Right. Let's just take a couple minutes, <laughs> throw them up there and be like, we love each other. We got something coming. Watch out, Meta. And then bail. And that's more or less exactly what happened. Yeah. I was, so, it was like, that's the show. Everyone's looking for the moment that they think the pandemic was over. And I'm telling you, it's, it's this kind of nonsense tech company announcement that like we oh didn't, it didn't happen in the pandemic because you couldn't you couldn't take the next step. <laughs> Someone would have been like, no, yeah. let's not. And let's condense this a little bit. The producer in the back yeah. was like, 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 like the grammar checker in Microsoft right. Word is like, this is too many extra words. Just like, get rid of these. All right. So that's that announcement. I'm confident that Apple's reality OS team is panicking right now at the future mixed reality efforts from Google, Qualcomm, and Samsung. But there was actual news. Some really good stuff. I would say... I mean, I've, I've got the two of you here. The laptops, perhaps more interesting than the phones? Yeah, I think that's fair. That rarely happens. Yeah, this like, is my moment. Yeah, this is <laughs> shine. You. Like, you, like, you got your own camera, kid. <laughs> let's get out there. Uh, let's, start with, let's start with the laptops, Monica. Book 3 Ultra, it, you know, looks like a MacBook Pro, but it Samsung's pushing it this year with this stuff. Samsung's pushing it. So there are five new models, which... You know, everyone was a little overwhelmed when they saw there were five until I explained to them that four of them are very boring and <laughs> really only one of them we care about. So there are two Galaxy Books Pro and there are two Galaxy Books Pro 360. And then there's a Galaxy Book Ultra, which is like this whole other thing. It starts at $23.99. It has an RTX 3050 or an RTX 3070 GPU. It can have a Core i7 or a Core i9 or 13th gen Intel H series. They have... 2880 by 1800, 120 hertz OLED displays. It looks a lot like it's trying to beat the MacBook Pro. It is $100 cheaper for the base model, which if you're shopping at that price point, it's not that much cheaper. It's a pretty similar price. It's hard to say that it's targeting the exact same audience because a big part of this Samsung laptop's Appeal is that it's for Samsung people who really like Samsung and it has all these things with the Samsung phone, but it seems a little bit like it's trying to do the same thing that you see on the Apple side where they have all these different ways that the phone interacts with it. They have like Samsung apps in Windows, similarly to how there are like iOS icons right now on my MacBook screen. Um, Wait, what iOS icons are on your MacBook screen? Well, like, you know, they have consistently been making the icons more oh, like their I iOS counterparts yeah, over yeah. the past few releases. You're not one of like the few people running iOS apps. No, right God, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, let's clear that up right away. Um, yeah, so they, it's, for the past few years, the Galaxy Book line has been this really like lightweight line. Like they're super, super light. They have really nice screens. And those are sort of like the two things about them. Like they're really light. They have really nice screens. They're kind of like, I guess the the best use case I'm usually able to, like, cobble together is, like, you really want to watch Netflix on the train, like, it's in, like, that <laughs> kind of thing. This is the first one we've seen in a couple of years that really is, like, hey, instead of buying the MacBook, maybe you should buy this. Now, I have no idea how that's going to go, but yeah. um, the Galaxy Book 3 Ultra seems like it's it's sort of a play for that category. So, last week, we were talking about the MacBook Pros yep. with M2 Pro chips. I believe you made this comparison and then you immediately apologized for making the comparison. The GPU performance was like a 3060. Yeah, 70. 37. Of the max. On the max. So the M2 max GPU performance, bad direct comparison, but rough analog, yeah. 3070. Yeah. This is an actual RTX 4070. 
40, 70, or 40, 50, yeah. And we don't know how much the 40, 70 model is going to cost. We, there are ton, we don't know how well it's going to perform. There are a ton of things we don't know. In particular, we don't know how good the battery life is going to be. Um, and that is a big question mark, both because of the chips and because of the display resolution, which is high, because Intel doesn't have, like, the greatest track record with having great battery life in the past year, um, because... Windows machines with discrete GPUs really don't have good track records yeah. with having any kind of battery life whatsoever. Or so, any kind of thermal management. Or any kind of thermal management. We have had some horror stories this past year of laptops that have done discrete GPUs and done H-series processors and tried to be thin and have just, like, been blazing fireballs that died after two <laughs> hours. So, you know, will this be able to overcome that? We'll, we'll have to see. I hope they can. Am I super optimistic at the outset, no. I'm curious. I think it's ambitious what they're doing, but I'm, you know, I'm interested to see whether they can pull it off. So one of the things that is kind of interesting about Samsung right now is they don't really own an operating system. Like there's Tizen, yeah, which runs on washing machines and televisions. <laughs> right. That's great. Dishwashers, I'm sure, Liam. Liam, do you have any opinions on dishwasher operating systems? Dishwasher Tizen. Just mid middling. Uh, ambivalent on dishwasher operating systems. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they don't own Android and they've skinned Android to hell and back to Google's chagrin. It was actually, this is the first Samsung event in a long time where they actually made reference to Google existing in any direct way. Like, putting them on stage, like, here's a fake announcement is <laughs> one thing. Even just mentioning that they exist is not normal for Samsung, right? Yeah, that was, it was unusual. I mean, I saw Dieter, I was like, what are you doing here? Like a, an agent, a spy, <laughs> Google spy, like yeah. Uh, yeah. But they, you know, they don't own Windows. Obviously, is is do we have like an analog to Dieter and Microsoft? Don't answer that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they are building this connectivity between those two by heavily skinning and modifying these operating systems. Is it worthwhile? Yeah, I mean, I was at one of the things that surprised me was how easy this stuff was to set up. Like. Because I assume, like, sometimes when you have to set up, like, fancy Windows stuff, it takes, it's just yeah. this whole thing you have to open up, you have to download all this stuff, you have to, like, open up 17 different things that doesn't work the first time and it crashes. And that I've had that experience many times setting up different connectivity features, uh, for example, <clears throat> Razor. Um, <laughs> this actually worked very well. Um, we set up the quick share feature, which allows you to, like, drag files from the computer to the tablet or to the Galaxy phone. Um, we set up second screen, which lets you use the Galaxy tab as like a external monitor like next to it, which like is kind of slow but works. And it was all like a one-click thing and it worked um, pretty well. It seems like something that could be useful. Like if you're a real like Samsung nerd who has all the Samsung stuff, which like I know some people like that. And I think um, it's, I think it could be beneficial. It seems like something could be handy and it doesn't seem like it would be too much of a pain, which is a really nice thing to be saying about, like, a Windows laptop using third-party software to try to do fancy things. That's, like, a refreshing thing to say. We got an email from a reader over the weekend, and it had the word Bixby in it. And I was, like, <laughs> expecting to get a note. Every now and again, we get a note from somebody who loves Bixby. But instead, the note was about somebody who had gone to their local animal hospital, and a dog named Bixby had come oh. to the animal hospital. Oh. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> That's as much success as Bixby has ever had. 
was going to the hospital. That's the most favorable email that's ever been sent about Bixby, Aww. too. Like, I saw a dog name. And I thank you for that email. And if you ever run into dogs named Bixby, please let us know. It's very important to me personally. But that kind of like cross-layer combine the phone and the laptop, that's what Samsung needs to compete with Apple. I think so. And I think there's also... It, it's a similar sort of philosophy to what I think Apple has been pursuing over the past couple of years with various releases of Mac OS, where it's not only it's been trying to make it just look more like iOS, not only in the way you use it, but just like in the way it looks. I think even the expense of some like functionality to some extent, like where they put the control center now and like how the settings now look like the iOS settings mm-hmm. and not how like system preferences used to look. Um, and I think you see this a little bit on these Samsung laptops, the way that they like lay out um, the taskbar and um, the way that some of the UI in these Samsung apps look like it looks to me as close as like it could to using a Galaxy phone as a computer. Like yeah. it kind of feels like you're just putting the Galaxy stuff and blowing it up on a bigger screen, which like, you know, it's it. it if you're a person who's really used the Samsung interface, maybe that's a thing you like. <laughs> On the other hand, I hear from Samsung people who use Samsung phones all the time that often like the Samsung apps are not the number one thing about them. So which is like not which is a little bit different from using Apple where like those a that's lot of those reason. apps I use all the time. So well, because Apple prohibits you from using any other apps. Right. So <laughs> Richard, you're a Windows person. Is this is this laptop calling your name? This is, it's interesting. It's, it's it, as you said, it looks like a MacBook. My main question is, I'm looking at the hardware. You know, it's got the OLED. It, this this is a touchscreen, of course, right? Or at least you can't get it with touchscreen? Uh, Ultra, I don't think is. Oh, it's not. Well, you know, I, I look at it and I, I wonder if, if you're Apple and you're looking at Samsung's laptop that they've put together, they put together this OLED screen. It's got this, you know, best in class sort of GPU, CPU power. Is this why we're looking at a 2025 ish MacBook Pro that's going to have at least some of these things, and we, we presume probably more, more GPU power and OLED, an OLED screen. Is that is that what, part of why they're, they're inspired to change? Maybe they're looking at this and, and seeing that some people might switch. I don't I don't think most people would switch from when, from Mac to Windows you, once you made your choice. You're yeah. in there, but you start to look at these things. Would, would people say? Would people see that OLED screen and think actually that's a little better than the laptop I have? Yeah, that's interesting. I my sense is that Apple's a, a big advantage of what um of like what the new MacBook Pro 16 brings like is the combination of power and efficiency that it has like it's not just that it's super powerful because like we know we're going to have laptops and in, possibly including this one next year that like are very competitive with it on power but currently this laptop is bring this Mac laptop it's like bringing efficiency that just like no one else is bringing and those two things in combination are what really make it stand out not like one of those things or the other and I think the I just don't know about the efficiency on the Galaxy Book. I think a big advantage that the Galaxy Book does have over the MacBook is that it's a lot more portable. It's like it's around a pound lighter, I think, than the M2 Max MacBook, and it's a little bit less than a pound lighter than the M2 Pro MacBook. But it's a lot. I would much rather have it in my backpack than have like yeah. this chunky thing in my backpack. But then you have to take a battery with you, right? So that's the question, though: is <laughs> how much is the portability that the Galaxy Book has like mitigated by the fact that it's, it might have no battery, and therefore, like, what's the point of bringing it anywhere? And that is something that I think. I mean, if I were Apple right now, I would, I would want to know how well it's doing there before I know whether to be scared. Because I do think that that is a big advantage that potentially Samsung could eat into, but I don't know if it's going to... I'm not optimistic that it's necessarily going to do that on that front. Yeah. 
I think so. The potential appeal of this laptop is a bit limited by kind of everything I know about Windows laptops in general. So so that that's a downside, mm-hmm. even for me. But it does have an NVIDIA chip in it, so you can run NVIDIA's eye tracking software. That's true. On it directly, mm. which is critical. Uh he hasn't turned it on yet. I'm so <laughs> I'm gonna get you to turn it on by the end of the show. There's more laptops. There's just the regular Galaxy books. What's going on there? So these are these are basically chip bumps. So these are more of the um, we reviewed a bunch of these before. They are the Galaxy Book Pro and the Galaxy Book Pro 360. The Galaxy Book Pro 360 is they are kind of some of the few like 15 inch convertibles that are left on the market. There are some of them, but convertibles in general, have gotten, like, a lot... There have been a lot fewer of those released in recent years, and we're seeing more people go for the sort of Surface Pro-esque form factor with their, quote-unquote, convertible options instead. And when I ask companies about that, they all just say, like, oh, like, no one's buying convertibles. Oh, no one puts their their computer in TP mode? Yeah, no one wants to just have it as a tent (laughs) in their kitchen while they're cooking or whatever they put in the video advertisements. Not TP Um, mode. Tent mode. Please don't cancel me for that. (laughs) There used to be a, a Dell XPS 15 convertible. There's not that in the same form factor anymore. There used to be there used to be a bunch of convertible ThinkPads that are now just clamshells. Um, those are not totally gone, but slowly falling out of fashion. This is still the Galaxy Pro 360. Like one option you might go for if you're one of the like 12 people who like really wants like a big screen thing that can flip around into a tent. That's for you. <laughs> so you're gonna um, find it. That's, that's like what Samsung it. is for, though. Is like very hyper specific right. niche products. They have S Pen support, which is I think pretty crucial if you have a have a convertible like you want to be able to write on it and otherwise i think the big upgrade here in addition to the processors is that the screens have gotten a lot better so one of the things that i didn't like about the galaxy book lines of last year and the year before was that they like very stubbornly stuck to the 16 by 9 screen and like samsung's like a company that's known for making good displays like the displays should be like a huge draw of these panels and like before they just weren't because they were FHD they were 16 by 9 so they've gotten a huge upgrade here um they have the 120 hertz they're calling it 3k but it's 2080 by <laughs> no, 1800 no, no, no. there's no, no. three they're in there they're not doing that <laughs> and um it so can, these can these you are going to be better of screens. any other odd numbered k's <laughs> there's not yeah right, 1k like, if you're going to make up a k i mean 5k all right, five, 5K. But there's only one <laughs> there's product one. that has ever been 5K. Like, an odd-numbered K means you're off on your own. That's, you're just, like, off in the technology. No land. <laughs> Here, there be dragons. Yeah, it's like, oh, I got a 5K display. It's like, yeah, you made a weird choice. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah, so these are uh, quote-unquote 3K displays. <laughs> a lot of Ks. Three whole Ks. But they, they, look, they look very nice. And I, I think previously... It was sort of hard to figure out, like, where these might stand out, like, what their niche might be. The big thing was that they were super light. There's, like, now one more thing to, like, make them stand out a little bit more, which is that they have the super nice screen. Whether this will make these into MacBook competitors, I, I that, cannot say. Is that say, just, like, all the, always the frame? Because Richard's point that people don't switch back and forth is, like, more or less been true for 30 years. Sure. Right? I, mean, I think, I mean, I think that a question I get from people a lot is, like, I would buy the MacBook Air, but I'm, like, not an Apple person. What's the MacBook Air alternative? And I think that's kind of a – currently kind of a 
power vacuum. Like, there are lots of different models that could vie for that that MacBook Air alternative spot. We didn't, like, have a decisive one last year. I said it was probably a ZenBook, but, like, it was so hard to get AMD-powered things last year that it was hard to recommend, like, this is one you could get that you could definitely buy. Um, I think this is these are probably going for that Air or Pro alternative slot. They're super, super light. They're really portable. Generally, they have pretty good battery life, which is, like, a big thing that was lacking in a lot of models last year that we really look for when naming that that contender. So uh, whether these will be the best one, um, let's see, they are usually pretty good, but they're also, because they're so niche, because like they're really, the thing about them is they're super light and they have good displays. And that's not like, that doesn't necessarily lend itself to a big mainstream demographic that I'd broadly recommend it for. So we'll see, we'll hope to, hope to review these, but I, I think that Samsung is by making these big display improvements is kind of trying to improve in the place that they as Samsung are best able to improve them. And I um, I think that's probably... Because well, they're stuck, be, right? I mean, yeah. They're stuck with Intel's chips, and Intel is having, like, a disaster run. Yeah. And he doesn't have <laughs> supply. Like, yep. well, they're like, all right, screens. We, we own the screen factory. We'll do screens. Yeah, it's that, and the big thing they're pushing is the added continuity features, which is sort of the other thing that they are best able to control. The Bixby about, layer. The, the Bixby, <laughs> <laughs> the Bixby um, experience. Like, there's all these, the press release was like 75%, like, here are all the ways you can use this with your Samsung phone, which you could already do last year. We're just going to repeat them. And then the last paragraph was like, and also their new new display. It's, and there's, a there's a laptop connection to this. Um, um, actually, let's talk about Intel just broadly for one minute. Uh, these are launching into a market that, basically has seen all the upgrades that are going to happen all happened last year instead is is this like this just seems like the weirdest time to do laptops right it's a weird time apple's m2 chips are really really good everyone else is really trying to make chips that are that good we don't know what's going on with amd's supply we hope it'll have supply yeah. we don't know we hope intel will fix its battery life we probably we hope intel, intel will be needs more to efficient. fix its company we hope intel will fix its company there's lots of things we hope i think I within the next month or so we'll we'll have some answers. I hope so. <laughs> um, but right now it's a lot of uh, uh, crossed fingers that people can figure stuff out. <laughs> All right, when do we expect to get these in for reviews? Uh, I would hope the Ultra. Uh, they have not given us a release date, but I would hope it'll be soon. <laughs> I keep asking. Before them. or after the vaporware mixed reality headset? <laughs> who can who can say? <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over it. All right, we got to take a break. We'll come back and talk about the S23, S23 Plus, S23 Ultra. Are there more S23s, Allison? That's it. That's it. All right. At least three S23s. We'll see if Samsung announces another <laughs> one while we take this break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
All right, we're back. Allison, it occurs to me we have not really talked about this event, really. Their first in-person event in a long time. You were there. What was the vibe? It was, I mean, it was full on. There was, you know, the lights, the stage. It was a pretty big venue, the Masonic um, Auditorium, which had a bunch of QR codes that said, like, understand more about Freemasonry. And that kind of weirded me out. I did, uh, I did not scan any of those. Um, scan here for the Illuminati. It's good. Yeah, uh, I avoided that. Um, no, it was really kind of high energy, um, really high production. It felt like, and I haven't been to a Samsung event in the past, but, you know, Apple was pretty subdued and Google Pixel was like very small and subdued. Yeah. And this was like, we're going all out. Samsung. And yeah. So. Did they have any they, Broadway dancers? There were there no were, dancers. Oh, no. There was a time when like Samsung would be like full on, like, here's a cast of Billy Elliot. They're going to dance about phones. <laughs> like truly okay. some of the strangest <laughs> events in my entire life occurred. <laughs> Yeah, okay, maybe it was restrained then because <laughs> this is like Samsung warming up to They did have doors like, <laughs> flying off their hinges at people in the video. Yeah, like Apple has a vibe because they do their events on their campus and like, you know, they play the 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 new age music as you're walking up to the thing. Like every Apple event immediately starts with the energy of you might be raptured. <laughs> Right. And like you can't touch it. Like the whole place is basically a museum. You're like, not a lot. Like it just, there's an energy to an Apple event that's very specific. Google is like, I don't know, should we be quirky goofballs or not? Like, you know, like you're in our house. And then Samsung has always just been like glitz, like pure glitz, like yeah. Vegas occurs with Samsung. So it's good to see they're all kind of like returning to form. Yeah. In their way. They're, I think so. This, yeah. This was, this was a full, full on deal. And, um, and they started right off with the the ultra and stuck with that for a long time. <laughs> like I was even like, wow, okay, I've I've heard a lot about the S23 Ultra at this point. They got so deep into the camera stuff, I was really surprised. Um yeah. I made the mistake of writing in an article that was on the verge.com. They will not say the words full well capacity on stage. I was like, you know, there's cool things happening with smartphone cameras, but they're just, they're boring. Like you can't put them in a presentation. And they friggin' said full <laughs> well capacity. They read your piece. They, gosh. And I was like, oh. there's a I guy wrote, scrolling like, off stage. Yeah. He's yeah. Like, Get this he's in like, here. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> She'll really hate it. So, yeah. Well, okay. Let's talk about this camera. They said nitography again. It's a 200 yeah. megapixel camera. It uses all of those pixels in different configurations based on lighting from what yeah. I understand or ambient light conditions. What's going on here? So yeah, that really is, that really is the big story of all three of these devices. It's, it's only the S23 ultra that has this 200 megapixel camera, but it's, it's really interesting. There's, you know, there's other improvements to the camera system. There's like the optical image stabilization is supposedly a little better. There's a new selfie camera, um, all those little like tweaks and things they do every year. But the new sensor um, is really interesting because like you don't need 200 megapixels. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody needs 200 megapixels, but that's not really the point. It's like, like you said, it's doing, it's doing pixel binning in kind of different configurations. It can do, you know, four by four or 16 pixels, you know, all grouped together to give you like the imitation of a bigger pixel and in low light conditions. So better light sensitivity, 
better photos in theory. I'm going to check it out. I I took one 200 megapixel photo so far and that's a lot of pixels. <laughs> you have to explain what full well capacity means at this oh point God. in time. We're oh, all the shoot. way here. You started there. <laughs> you got to close, wow. you got to finish it out. <laughs> so the thing is like the pixels are so tiny on this thing. It's like 0.6 micrometers when the pixels are so small. It's there's just a level at which they like can't capture any more light. They just they're like done full um, <laughs> and you get you get oversaturation, like blooming and, and ugly stuff in your photos. They figured out a way to do some magic that I don't really understand um, and increase the capacity, the full well capacity uh, <laughs> of the individual pixels. So that's everything I know about full well capacity. So they spend a lot of time on the camera and it's not just it's better low light performance or less noisy performance, right? They're, they're trying to do a lot of additional things with the sensor. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I guess, dynamically, you know, changing between, you know, you're always going to get a 12 megapixel image when you're in 12 megapixel mode. But behind the scenes, it's doing some different things with those pixels and binning or using more of them if you're in good light. Yeah, just kind of kind of cranking up the computational photography, just that extra notch. And there's just there's other stuff that's really interesting that's coming out. There's this app you can download called Camera Assistant and it gets like really granular in the stuff that it gives you a bunch more controls on the camera. It's I believe for S23 and the S22 series. Um, but you can like, you can override when it would switch from, like if you're using the telephoto lens in low light, it would typically switch to the main camera and just digital zoom because there's not enough light. You can override that. You can be like, no, I want <laughs> you to stick with the telephoto all the time. It's like maybe a bad choice, but you can do that. <laughs> Bixby now uh, lets you make bad choices. It's like, yeah. you're like, <laughs> That's can I have missing. another drink? And Bixby's like, you can. <laughs> Should you? <laughs> yeah, we're not. No. We're not going to stop you. It's yeah, like Samsung's vibe. All right. Yeah, they're like, here you go. You want to mess up your pictures? You, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> that level of control, right? Samsung has sort of always offered it. Is it? Are they making the main camera app simpler? Because usually you would just like offload that stuff to make the main experience way simpler. Yeah, yeah, and it is. It is like you have to go download it. And then all those settings will appear in the camera app, like settings. So yeah, they, they're trying to keep it like, okay, you don't want to do the deep dive. You don't want to get it in the weeds. Like you can just use this camera, but it, it's kind of cool. Is that the big feature of the Ultra? Is there anything else going on there? They squared it off a little bit, which oh, looks man. nice. Oh, I, yeah, I like it. Maybe I just, I spend too much time like holding phones and thinking about them. <laughs> I'm like, welcome to the Vergecast. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, if I, I sound crazy when I try and explain it, I'm like, well, it's like a tiny bit more flat on the sides. And my husband's like, <laughs> this is probably the one place, but that's what? a big yeah. deal. I, Cause I feel like all, the only thing I associated these phones with basically, or the big thing I did was like how round they were on the sides. Like, yeah. like super round. It sucks. You're like, and because you're trying to use a pen and it like keeps going over the edge because right. it's like an infinity pool of screen. <laughs> so yeah, the, the sides are a little more squared off this time. I like it. I think it looks kind of fancy. I like the cream color. Twitter's yelling me about how they don't like the cream <laughs> color, but 
I'll die on that hill. I mean, at this point, Twitter is just like a collection of like Elon and his bots. Yeah, like Elon just, doesn't like cream. <laughs> and like that's Twitter. There's just a whole bunch of bots are yelling at me. <laughs> $1,200 is crazy for this phone. Yeah. Which is the same as last year. So at this point, we're like, well, it didn't get more expensive. So that's yeah. good. But you do get a higher storage capacity at the base model. It's 256 now for 1199 So that's good. But other things I didn't mention, there's um, across the whole series, there's a new, there's obviously a new Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 processor. It's like technically a very slightly different version that's like special for Samsung. It has just kind of like a higher performance ceiling. No, it has a name. I'm just going to read the name. The name is Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 for Galaxy. Yeah. It's like similar to Microsoft's like little fancy Microsoft processors they have in all their service yeah. books. Like, no, like, no, it's for Microsoft. Yeah. It's like right. Qualcomm was like, if we turn it up a little bit, it's for you. It's for Galaxy. Yeah. It's special. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. The bigger deal is that they're using it worldwide, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's no more, um, you know, some areas get the Snapdragon, some get the Exynos chip. It's every phone everywhere. All at once has the Snapdragon. That's really okay. unusual. Mm-hmm. Is something going on with Exynos chips? I guess we don't really get them in, in the United States, so I've never really known what's going on with Exynos chips. Yeah, like, I, I read up. foreign publications that are like this, do, and I'm like, great, the speed test, but <laughs> I can't use one. <laughs> like it's like illegal to use one here. I think there was like one or two mid-range phones I looked at that they just kind of threw the Exynos in. There was really, it was just very quiet. They're like, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> got to clear out their closet. Like, yeah. 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 Maybe they were lying around. I don't know. They were like, can you make Exynos for Galaxy? And Samsung was like, no. And it's like, but you're me. Right. <laughs> Exynos for me. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like S23 Ultra on the whole pretty incremental, right? We've, we've seen a pixel baiting camera from Samsung before. It was really good. Uh, I think we, Becca's, big camera test last year she said the s22 ultra was the best her favorite camera yeah the best in this context is a very subjective thing to say it was becca's favorite <laughs> camera yeah and becca's the best camera reviewer so i think you can just close those <laughs> those dots together but this seems like the next step of a big pixel binning sensor not a radical step yeah yeah it's it's all pretty incremental and like i i do think it's interesting like what they had to do to get here like to get to 200 megapixels and the little tweaks under the hood are interesting but yeah at the end of the day it's like it is a pixel binning camera it's got a newer chip it has like slightly better gorilla glass and but the square it's square it's square, it's square yeah. though <laughs> that's where we are with phones are like this black rectangle is squared <laughs> off on the sides uh and no satellites and no satellites, no satellites. Not for yeah samsung because samsung cares about things being ready before they put them in their devices <laughs> yeah <laughs> You wouldn't think they would just throw stuff at the wall like that, would you? Samsung and Qualcomm together? No. <laughs> they never just announce nothing on a stage. Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. would they do that? The satellite thing is, on the whole, I find the Apple commercials about SOS to be extremely weird. You know, and like, I get that it works and I'm... So if you don't have this, you're going to die immediately. Yeah, it's like the one commercial where they're on the mountain yeah. and the helicopter comes like, this would be... Yes, I'm appreciative that this exists. This is the weirdest commercial to be watching in the middle of football. Like, <laughs> it's just like things get real dark for 30 seconds and you're out. And you're like, oh, you're not. I look at my phone. I'm like, one day you'll save my life. 
Right. <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah, uh, this S23 Ultra is just going to leave me in the woods. Yeah, you're doomed. It's just going to be, I'm well, going to be can, done. You know, you can fire off all 200 megapixels at once. I hope you don't like staying <laughs> yeah. alive, Allison. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. So the satellite stuff is there. I don't think those networks are built out yet. Even like Apple's network is still pretty low bandwidth. You can see why on a very expensive phone, they're not adding more costs to it until it means something to people. Whereas mm-hmm. I think Apple just needed to differentiate it. And thus we get cart. Like Apple is like, we'll just scare people into buying phones this year. <laughs> like if you're close to death, iPhone, that's weird for them. <laughs> that's their positioning. <laughs> Have you looked at God today? The iPhone. Um, uh, <laughs> in the middle of football. <laughs> Can you trust your kids with another phone and an iPhone? The next Apple commercial is Tim Cook being like, if you want to stare death in the face, iOS is um, <laughs> It's good. It's a very goth year for Apple. Um, the HomePod comes in black first. <laughs> anyway, the, so that's a satellite, whatever. I just want to come back to the camera for one second. It seems like we are at this place where the mainstream is beginning to realize the cameras are really processed and the photos look weird. And maybe the tech industry, particularly Samsung, was like, what people love is insane colors and no contrast. And like soon Gen Z will just be like, this is what photos look like. And the answer is everyone realizes that that looks a little too wild and it has not become sort of a default look. Are they backing off yet? I I really haven't seen. I think it's just they're sort of like doing like Apple where they just pile on options. They're like, okay, here's our version. You don't like that? Fine. You can <laughs> use um, cool contrast or whatever they're all called. And yeah, I'm sure there's some setting and some camera assistant menu on the Samsung that will be like, make the blue sky like a little less neon blue next time. <laughs> Uh, but it's like, yeah, it's sort of on like us to figure that out. And I would kind of like, could you maybe do something? So like if I take a picture of a sunset, it doesn't suddenly look like violent purple. <laughs> <laughs> like that's my basic ask. <laughs> yeah, there's just something going on here with these phones where it's the like they've learned just as the TV manufacturers and Best Buy have learned like really bright things win or like Pepsi learned in the 80s. Pepsi will always win the Pepsi challenge at the theme park because it has more sugar in it. But then you live with it and you're like, my TV looks bonkers. Like, this is too sweet. And then I think people now with their phones are like, these photos don't look good. Like, mm-hmm. I don't love every photo that's coming off of this phone because they're all they're all so noticeably overprocessed or far from reality. And it it just doesn't seem like either one of these companies is willing to blink yet. Like mm-hmm. Apple's getting closer to Samsung. And we've talked about that so many times in every Every year, we're like, the phones are getting closer together, and in good light, they're kind of indistinguishable. Mm-hmm. But that target of indistinguishable photo is getting weirder and weirder. Yeah. I just still, I take pictures of people with an iPhone, and they're orange. And I'm like, <laughs> why, why are we still having this problem? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know any orange people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just wondering, because once you have a 200 megapixel sensor, it, I mean, the phone's huge, but it's still small, right? And you've got full well capacity that's still teeny tiny in order to get any image off of that. Like we're well beyond what is a photo and into you might as well type in, make a photo of a sunset and like the phone, like chat GBT generate the answer for you, (laughs) right? Like you're so far away from 
we're going to open the shutter and close it and show you a reflection of reality. You're fully, there's a computer at the level of even just gathering the light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, the basic mechanics of like photography and making a photo are just like so far behind us. <laughs> <laughs> we are well into the future of neon sunsets and I don't, I don't see it like coming down anytime soon. Like, no, my prediction Maybe. is the next, the Galaxy S24, instead of how many lenses this time in the back? Five, one, two, three, four, five. It will have zero. And it will just be like a mid journey prompt that's like, I'm That's what my Microsoft family. and Samsung are working on <laughs> yeah. with their mixed reality. It's <laughs> chat GPT being the camera. <laughs> just like you tell Bixby, like, make a photo of my mother. <laughs> yeah, in front of the Grand Canyon. It's <laughs> like, generates that for you. Zero nice. lens cameras. You heard oh it here gosh. on the broadcast first. <laughs> It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. What's going on with the S23 Plus and the regular S23? So those were even less interesting, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> they, they, they really got just little incremental upgrades. They got the new 4 Galaxy Snapdragon Gen 2 processor. Um, they, I think maybe the most meaningful thing is that they got slightly bigger batteries. The S23 is still like relatively small. It's... 3,900 milliamp hours. And then um, S23 Plus is 4,700. In the battery life in the S22 phones, I think was like not great. It wasn't, it wasn't like deal breaking bad, but you just kind of like, you start to get the like, your palms get kind of clammy by the end of the day when you're like, oh, I'm at 20% or whatever. So I think a little battery boost could actually be a big, um, a good thing here. And that's kind of it. They got the new Gorilla Glass. The S23 Plus got the base model storage upgrade, but the S23 didn't. Um, no no change in price, which is good news, I think. It's squares. Still, I don't think those ones are... No, they, they had like straighter edges to start with. Mm-hmm. They already kind of look like iPhones from 2016, which I secretly really love. So they were already on the right side of history there. We're going to talk about earnings for a bunch of companies in a minute here. Apple just posted their earnings. Google posted its earnings. Samsung is in the same spot with these phones as they are in with laptops and sort of everybody's in, which is everybody bought their upgrade in the pandemic. And now they're like, I don't need another phone or laptop. And I think particularly for these mid-range phones, like I thought the iPhone 14 Plus would be a huge seller because it's a big cheap screen. And it's like, fine, you know, like the thing that's selling is the really high end and the sort of mid range everybody has already upgraded through. Yeah. Do, do these S23s, are they just kind of like, well, we got to have something or are they like actually trying to get people to upgrade? Yeah, I think these are just, this is just the the current phone on the shelf with the like new for 2023. <laughs> it's this one. Yeah. It's like, is it your year to upgrade? Here you go. You know, you don't want last year's model. You want the... <laughs> brand shiny new one. I think like the whole whole kind of launch event and all the like pizzazz and whatever is is more about like kind of convincing you you're in the right ecosystem more yeah. than like, oh, I got to run out and go get this S23 Ultra because 200 megapixels. It's sort of like, you know, when your time comes around, you're like, I'm going to upgrade this year. You kind of remember you're like, yeah. Samsung's that kind of tracks really with cool. the laptop stuff, too, because so much of their pitch was like, hey, remember, you can do this stuff <laughs> with a Galaxy phone. Yeah. Just FYI, guys, we've had this for a while. Yeah. 
I mean, Apple right. I, Apple does that too, right? They're yeah. like, here's a new version of macOS, and then la- launch the laptops, and like 90% of it is like macOS features from WWDC. Fine. I'm just saying like, it's great they had an event. It's great everyone's back together. Like, we're back in it. Samsung next year will have Broadway dancers once again, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's just a weird spot, right, where everything is very incremental, and the market is very much saying, we don't need new stuff. So it's not... I, I just like I'm looking at these phones. They're great. They're fun. The edges are more square. The chip is for Galaxy now. I mean, that's huge. Oh yeah. No one. No one else can have that chip. That's all anybody's been talking to us. <laughs> no right. one else can have Apple. Apple go away. No one else can have a Snapdragon chip. Um, get it. But it it just seems like they're launching into sort of a market that's kind of bored or or has already done its like upgrades. And on yeah. top of that, the five G upgrade cycle. Is it is the thing? I mean, you know, you all know how I feel about that. That's what Chat GBT would really be like. Is like the robot Neil is like five G is bullshit. Like, um, <laughs> but like it's it's just sort of like happening. It's a default. It's not a reason to upgrade. It hasn't pulled anyone forward. I don't know, is, yeah. is that just like that? Is my vibe is like Samsung had to announce a bunch of stuff. There are some new mm-hmm. chips. There's some new camera capabilities, and like yeah. here, here it is. And I think yeah. Apple's like in the same place too. I mean, we chip bumped MacBooks is the same deal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it was interesting talking to people at CES um, because I did get a sense that a lot of them were were sort of like, yeah, we're trying to figure out how to keep the PC exciting and target, you know, convince the high end that these PCs can do things that they couldn't do before. And like a lot of what they were pushing was webcam features. Um, that was like a big thing. They're like, well, Richard. With Richard. <laughs> he won't do it. Not yet. These are my real eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Webcam is like, oh, you're, you know, you're conferencing a lot now. You need this. Um, there was a lot of push on the gaming side and people saying, like, your game, these new games that are coming out, you can play them now with all this, 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 this new gaming laptop. And Samsung didn't is has not been a huge player in either of those spaces with its previous Galaxy books. And so it seems to me like the book ultra is maybe the closest thing they have to something that could appeal to the gaming demographic. They, the way they said it to me at the event was like, you know, you could game on this. Is it for gamers? No, but you could game on this was sort of like their, <laughs> their vibe, which, you know, is fair. Is a sort of the Apple thing too, at this point. So I think that they are coming that that's, I think the, the most exciting one of these and the one that I can see people upgrading to, especially if they have a galaxy book that doesn't play games really well, like that could be a reasonable sell for them. All right. We'll see. But, you know, we'll see. I, that, that's the news from Unpacked, right? And there was, that's it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, again, I don't want to like end on a down note, which I've been told <laughs> not to do over and over again. We have to wait for new foldables. We, yeah, we got to wait for new foldables. They got some new screen we're, tech. We're not ready. Yeah. But it's like, these are, this year's Samsung rectangles are here. <laughs> <laughs> Bixby, like, like, how many times was Bixby mentioned? Do they mention it all? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I heard Bixby. They must have said Bixby like once at least. We got to do. We we did our usual supercut. We got to start doing Bixby supercuts. It's just <laughs> a like Bixby count. One person be like, and it's not Bixby. Bixby. But that layer, that service layer, they're trying to build. They keep mentioning it, but it hasn't like gone anywhere else. Yeah. Okay. I mean, look. Apple needs a competitor. They're the leader of the market. Google's like, we sold more pixels than ever before, and it's still like seven. 
Yeah, I mean, the continuity stuff, I think the continuity stuff is cool. It works. Um, is it as smooth as Apple's continuity stuff? I think no. I know you said before, like, oh, people don't switch. Like, I switched. Like, I, I switched from Windows to Apple not too long ago. Oh, I no. think I think that we are at a point where... That's another full hour page. That's another full... Cast. It's <laughs> like washing machines next week and for Apple. the full story um, <laughs> for, for my journey. Um, I think there are... This is the first year that I know some really hardcore Windows people who are starting to say to me, like, should I look at yeah. these Macs? And I like I in many, many years in this career, I've never I basically have never heard that before. And I think if I were same thing, I'd really be trying to pull out the shoelaces here and put out a competitor because I do think, you know, if only to stem the tide of people leaving to Apple, if not because else. of the price performance of the process. Yeah. All right. We'll see. Uh, we got to take a break. We there is earnings like literally as we've been speaking Apple earnings broke. There's Alphabet earnings. There's just, we got to talk about some money. We'll be back in a second. We'll go through it. We'll be right back. We're back. It's time to talk earnings. You know, like I spend a lot of time on CNBC and I'm still bad at this. I just want to be clear. (laughs) Just talking about money, man. Yeah. It's uh, just a little unimportant thing. Well, you know, I have this theory and I've thought about this a lot. Covering tech, especially for a site like ours that has a, like a inherent built-in re- like big reviews program, is the weirdest part of the media. Like there are very few other parts of the media where you're like, we're going to cover the people, we're going to cover the events, we're going to look at the thing, we're going to make jokes about Bixby, and then we're going to take your product and we're going to look at it, and Allison's going to be like seven. <laughs> It just like never happens. Like it doesn't happen in po- like in politics. Uh, the voters vote, right? But that's not you doing it. In sports, the teams play, and there's a winner and a loser. But you didn't like sports writers are not like out there being like you're gonna win. And we <laughs> are very much like you lost. HomePod, good try, try again. Right. The only thing that uh, the only external thing that happens is earnings, where the companies tell you if like they made money or not. It's a whole different language to learn the. EBITDA and the <laughs> run rate and yeah it's it's like being thrown into a different world with different people who uh say different things yes and care very little about like you cannot tell if I cannot go on CBC and be like it's got a 200 megapixel camera they'd be like who cares <laughs> like, they're not gonna hear they, about the full well capacity <laughs> yeah, the next time I go on TV I'm definitely gonna be like full well capacity just yes. throw it out there in like <laughs> zero context and see what happens. oh my gosh do it <laughs> the actual us- usability, what what people actually think does not matter. How did it do financially and right. how do they project that it will do financially next quarter compared to last year, last year over year, yeah. same quarter. I'm just saying this is the weirdest. This is the weirdest little intersection of covering tech because mm-hmm. nothing else has this part where the journalists evaluate the end result. We're like, Google, we covered everything that you did and it's a four, you know, like it's just like <laughs> – uh, and then there's this other part of the, of the business. Anyhow, I just want to point out it's weird. We talk about it a lot, but it's, it's because it's these earnings every quarter are the moment where the company tells you, the public companies tell you how they did, right? Did people like our phones? And the answer, we'll start with Apple. The answer is people like the phones, but they can't make any. So they didn't make as much money as they usually do. Is that about right, Richard? Yeah. Uh, so they reported their earnings for Q1 2023. They took in 170 Which is the billion. holiday quarter. Apple's quarters yes, are, it, are scooted over one. So Q1 23 is really December quarter 22. 
that's the other thing about, about it. You have to learn a whole new calendar that isn't your regular calendar. Wow. And not all the companies use the same calendar. So you're going to be saying weird things all the time. Yeah. People will look at you like you are insane because you're like, oh, yeah, it's Q4. Is it? <laughs> Maybe. Anyhow. But yes, there's been wait times for the iPhone, for, for the high-end iPhone 14 models. They make the most money on. They've had these supply issues. They are kind of reshuffling their supply chain to rely less on China. There have been so many issues in China with COVID and other issues with labor, everything in that, that is all kind of combined to affect the the profit of one of, you know, one of the most profitable companies over the, or perhaps the most profitable company over the last few years. Also, they have a problem where the last generation, when you look at their laptops, the M1 laptops were so, were such an incredible upgrade over what had been out there. The M2, a little bit better, but it's just a little bit better. So Apple did predict that Mac sales would decline substantially compared to a year ago. Uh, they were correct in this prediction. Mac sales are down 29%, and I think that all feeds into it. Like the M1 MacBook Air, like we were like, throw your laptop out the window and buy this thing. And then <laughs> combined with the pandemic, it was the thing to buy. And that, it's a, no one is, unless you are very picky about webcams, which I am, <laughs> and that webcam is garbage. <laughs> there's no reason to buy a new MacBook Air, and I think most people are not that picky about webcams. So you can see Apple's just like running – like this is a company that makes most of its money in the iPhone, is having really hard times making enough iPhones to sell, which might mask the fact that people don't want those lower mid-tier iPhones, Allison. Like they want the pros mm-hmm. and maybe all the demand for upgrades in the, in the mid-tier is satiated by pandemic upgrades. Upgrade cycles are getting longer. So they can't make enough of the high-end stuff and then the, all the Mac upgrades are done for now. So they're kind of stuck with services, right? Seems like it. They, um, and that's why we suddenly have Apple TV Plus. We have them bundling all their services together so that you can get your iCloud and your Apple TV and your news and everything else. Because the people who buy those highest end devices, the people who get the most expensive subscriptions, who get the package, they just want to find another way to get something from you because that's the way that they can demonstrate revenue growth to their investors. So, Other than, of course, launching a car. <laughs> Uh, or this headset. So uh, services revenue for Apple up 6%. They now have more than 2 billion active devices running the services. I'm sure this means an iCloud storage upgrade push notification is about to hit all 2 billion of those devices. Did you know that Apple has games in Apple Arcade? 2 billion beeps all at the same time around the world. Right. Tim Cook's like, we made some money. The one that surprised me, well, two that surprised me in combination, wearables which has Apple Watch and AirPods down, hmm. which tracks because I think most of those things get bought along with an iPhone. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's some, well, AirPods people lose. <laughs> but I think the vast majority of AirPods get bought with your iPhone. The vast majority of Apple Watches get bought around an iPhone. So if iPhone sales mm-hmm. are down, those go down. iPad revenue up 30%. Even mm-hmm. though the iPad line, from what I can tell, is more confusing than it has ever been before. <laughs> But maybe that's it. People are just like going to the store and they're freaked out. They're surrounded by a wall of iPads. And they're like, I got it. Well, just, I have to have one. Well, there's, I'll there's take them all. One. There's got to be one so all in all, I feel like we, they're at a point in the cycle where, where people are upgrading iPads. Like, like I bought a new iPad last year. All right. There's got to be somebody who's like, oh, okay. You know, that, that old one is just not cutting it anymore. Yeah. All in all, all this adds up to the iPhone is down. The Mac is down. That means Apple's down. Right. Apple's year over year, 5% down in the holiday quarter. That's a big deal. That's one of those like, wow. usually Apple sets records in this quarter. And I think they're, they're hurting because of the COVID stuff in China in particular. 
So that's Apple. And, and as, as you mentioned, Samsung and Apple and everyone is kind of having these same things. And Samsung had just a, after a string of record breaking quarters had like their worst quarter in eight years. Yeah. And that's just where we are now. Liz wrote that great piece last week about all the companies doing layoffs in tech. I, I don't know if we have a lot of like MBA students or MBA professors out there. There's a paper or a book to be written about the single greatest business mistake in our generation, which is everyone thought the things that happened in the pandemic would happen forever. <laughs> They're like, everyone will buy a new laptop every year to work at home. We should make thousands of, and it's like, no, dude, they're going to buy one. And then they're going to go back outside. Like the entire business community was like, what if these motherfuckers never go outside again? And like, here we are. <laughs> we got them. <laughs> like, no, like Mark Zuckerberg was like, here's what they're going to do. They're going to stay inside all day and they're going to be brains and vats. And I'm going to build the metaverse for the vat brain people. And it's like, I don't, I could have told you what was going to happen to you. <laughs> no, they, they would rather go to concerts in person. Yeah. It turns out Fortnite concerts were only interesting when you were not allowed to leave your house. <laughs> Right. We have options now. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> it's a good. A little better. Just just touching grass alone, not in Fortnite, is great. And so <laughs> Apple's launching Pay Later, uh, as as Tim Cook said on CNBC, said it's coming. So this soon. is very late. They announced this a while ago, but they yeah, they're, yeah it's still they're not out. getting big into financial services. Apple is not a bank yet, but they're getting closer. Um, you know, they can let you earn interest on on your your balance, and suddenly this is a very important thing for them. Like this is this is. As we said, we're talking about the money here. This is what Tim Cook's whole compensation is based on. What can he do to grow Apple? They're trying to find something. And and I don't... Well, there's only three categories, right? There's only three categories that are big enough to move the needle for Apple. It's healthcare, cars, and the banks. Like, you can't... I'm like, Apple should make a TV, and you look at the entire TV industry. If Apple took 100% market share of the TV industry, they'd be like, that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough percentage growth. And like this is this is like a champagne problem. Like Tim Cook cries about this problem while breaking open a magnum of champagne on his yacht. He's like, "How do I move the needle? I don't know. Bring me another magnum of champagne." <laughs> like, right, but this is their problem to move the needle. They have to go play in the biggest remaining industries, which is why they're chasing cars, which is why they think they're doctors, and now it's why they think they're a bank. Kind of terrifying. It is. Smaller. Speaking of other gigantic, terrifying companies, let's talk about Google. They also had they had like a flat earnings quarter, and it's partially because of the advertising slowdown, partially because of Apple, but partially because they they're now having to like spend money to invent new things, which Google has not, I would say, had a great track record of doing. You you may have heard they their new products don't always always uh turn into something or or they launch something and then a couple of years later they're killing it. I'm not talking about Stadia, but it could be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when you're talking about advertising revenue, they said it's down two billion dollars. So yeah, that's a pretty significant hit. And somehow Google will have to get by after they their profits for the quarter were only thirteen point six billion dollars, which I would think is pretty good. But because they made twenty point six billion dollars the year before. They're, they're not so happy with. Yeah. Google also just had layoffs. Apple's the only big tech company that has not had layoffs recently. Google obviously just had its first mass layoffs in its history. Amazon just had layoffs. Microsoft had layoffs. Meta had layoffs. We'll get to that in a second. It sounds like Zuckerberg wants to have more layoffs because uh, he just keeps prattling on about efficiency, which is, yeah, I know what that means. Y'all know what that means. <laughs> but Google, like, you know, Google is an advertising company. Like, fundamentally, that's how Google makes money is advertising on the web. They've, we, I've been hammering on this for the past couple of weeks. Google's in the hardest spot I think it's ever been in as a company, right? The DOJ is coming after the ad stuff. 
ChatGPT is coming after Google search results on, in both directions. You can ask ChatGPT for answers, and then shady SEO farms are just making ChatGPT web pages to ruin Google search results. So the product is getting squeezed on both sides. Apple's ad tracking transparency stuff, not great for Google, right? It's, it's ruining its ability to, to track users across the web and deliver personalized advertising. It just feels like the hardest spot Google's ever been in. And I would not say that these earnings showcase any glimmer of the future. No, and the new things that they've been developing aren't really filling the gap. You look at the cloud, not not doing it. YouTube, not doing it. Pixel hardware. I mean, look, we're, we're trying, but it's just not doing it. The, the Pixel watch is unfortunately not making a dent in that $2 billion. <laughs> Wouldn't it be incredible if Pixel hardware just like saved saved Google? Like tomorrow the Pixel is like, all right, that's the end. That's the new iPhone. Going to run we the company. It. We did it. <laughs> So just to be specific, lots of Google's main revenue drivers are down uh, over the past year. Advertising down by $2 billion, as Richard said. Services, which includes Android, Chrome, hardware, which is a bonkers thing to put in services. Uh, that's how important hardware is to Google. <laughs> they just threw uh, it in there. Yeah, just loop, <laughs> lump it in with Chrome. Uh, but services includes Android, Chrome, hardware, Google Maps, Google Play, Search, and YouTube, down by $1.5 billion. And then it also spent more than a, uh, $1.5 billion on R&D. So you just see Google, Google's in this place where it has to invent something new because the things that make a lot of money are going down. And then on top of that, YouTube, which is a bit of a bright spot, they just rolled out monetization for YouTube shorts like yesterday. So if this thing is going to become the next generation of the YouTube creator economy, which TikTok does not have, which Instagram does not have, so if they can actually get the payment split to creators right on shorts, you might see more creators going to YouTube. But that's still pretty insignificant and a long way out. Like, that's a pretty tough combination of things for YouTube. I think the executives are walking around asking if anyone has a $7 billion idea for the next quarter. We've got Sergey Brin uh, putting in pull requests, I think, <laughs> for, for the first time in years. So just just in, if anyone who's still there, if you, if you have a way to make $7 billion, they're, they're certainly <laughs> interested. Yeah. Well, maybe start with Google search and make it le- a less miserable experience. I don't know. Like, it's so bad now. That's, I, I don't know. I need to read the article um, we're passing around. But, like, it's so, there's so much junk you have to, like, wade through to get to whatever you were looking for. It just feels like it's something, a product has been, like, piled on and piled on and just kind of forgotten about. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, well, because it's a monopoly. It, it's it's a, a, a bit of news that came in just as we were getting into the earnings. Uh, they've scheduled an event to show off some AI search stuff. We don't know if it's going to be the chatbot, but uh, February 8th, uh, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, live from France, AI search stuff. Oh, that's great. All right. That's definitely not a panic scheduled event. No. This is rumors. I think CNBC reported this week, Google has a version of the search landing page where it just tells you the answer. Uh, and it has some suggested prompts of things you might ask oh. its chatbot for. Now, to be perfectly clear, Google's claim, and this is what people in the industry believe to be true, is that Lambda, its big LLM, its competitor to ChatGPT, is superior to ChatGPT. That's the claim. That's what people have been saying. They won't release it because like every AI chatbot, it will just confidently lie to you. (laughs) So that's a real problem if you're Google. So we'll see how they deploy this thing. They obviously are very defensive about the fact that they invented a lot of this technology. And they have had the scruples of not just releasing it. Whereas OpenAI is like, I don't know. The robot's going to lie to you. See what happens next. (laughs) 
Um, there's also a rumor that the Google version of the chatbot will be able to answer questions about current events, which is like, that's where the confident lying becomes a real problem, you know? Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I want to keep talking about earnings. I want to talk about Meta, but real quick on Microsoft. Microsoft is an is just like high on life because it has this open AI investment. Uh, so they're just like starting to announce things. Teams Premium has features powered by OpenAI, so you can just watch ChatGPT talking Teams for you. Uh, they're rolling out uh, tech to write sales emails using ChatGPT, which is like Microsoft is so excited about having a, the tiniest shred of a lead in AI, and the first thing they thought about doing was like mail merge. <laughs> like the most Microsoft thing. I can't believe they didn't bring Balmer back for that one. Yeah, Come on. it's very good. Uh, and <laughs> the then there's this pretty lightly sourced rumor in Semaphore that the next version of Bing will have chat GPT in it powered by GPT-4, which is a huge hype balloon. People think GPT-4 is going to be like the best thing that ever happened. Even like the CEO of OpenAI, Sam Altman, is like people are going to be disappointed by chat GPT that's powered by GPT-4 because you've hyped it up so much you have no choice but to be disappointed. That said, a new version of Bing that has GPT-4 powered results is a threat to Google, just from mindshare alone, right? Just from seeming like the cutting edge alone. And I think that's why Google is like, oh, we got to start announcing some stuff. And then lastly, we should talk about Meta. Mark Zuckerberg is having like a religious experience, it seems like. Like Uh-oh. he went to like the Church of Prophets. <laughs> was like, we need to make them. Because he got, you know, he was like, he spent all of his time being like, I'm doing the metaverse, billions of dollars, let's lose all the money. And then app tracking transparency happened, the market crashed, the advertising market crashed, TikTok happened, Instagram stopped being cool. And now he's like, I got to fire everybody. I don't want managers managing managers managing managers. I want people who do stuff. Uh, so maybe we're going to get more efficient. And then he had this earnings call where he, he said the word efficiency 500 times in a row. Oof. Which is... Like, that just means he's going to start clipping people. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to be doing a little bit more with a little bit less. Um, But even with all the bad news that we've had about Facebook, about the growth, about how many people are using it, they record over 2 billion daily active users in this last quarter, the highest that we've ever seen. Um, And I wonder what's going on there. Is it because we've got the apps kind of integrated now? All of your logins are shared? Like, what is is causing these these numbers that we're seeing? Is is this real? So from what I'm seeing here, it's... The two billion is Facebook itself, the blue app. And then the family of apps is 3.7 billion people monthly across family of apps. On Facebook, it's two billion daily actives. That's crazy. And I, is it just that they added reels to Facebook? Oh <laughs> like at this point, it's like you open the thing and like it just starts playing video at you, right? They just boosted TikTok's move. What they don't have is any monetization strategy for this stuff yet or any creator strategy for this stuff or really any strategy for this stuff they're just like screw it they like, have nfts on instagram I, <laughs> that'll do it you you will non-fungible these tokens <laughs> that, that'll do it that is oh no zuckerberg on the call pointed out people like reels that's what people like reels don't have as many ads they don't have as many ad products so he's like we got to optimize we got to make it more efficient how we monetize reels there's that word again so i think they're just in the part of the, the Facebook growth curve where they're like, here's all the stuff. You like Reels? Have at it. And they're going to start adding ads onto it. And I feel like this happened to Instagram already five times in a row. We're like, Instagram was great. And then Instagram was shit. And then they like fixed it. They made it crap again. And that's what's going to happen to Reels. All this in the context of YouTube adding creator monetization and in the context of TikTok basically just being like under attack from everybody. 
Like there is not a big tech company or at this point a politician in America who's like, we should have TikTok in this country. <laughs> so th- I, there's just a weird, that weird scrolling video moment. I think we're going to look back on it in five years and be like, this was one of the weirdest periods in tech. When everyone was like, here's what you want. You want vertical video to scroll by as fast as we can make it. And mostly it's weird people dancing. Like, <laughs> and we're just, I think we're just going to look back on this video. This was such a weird format war. Like there's like HD DVD and Blu-ray and there's going to be reels versus shorts versus TikTok. And we're going to be like, that was bizarre. Because by the end of it, I think the government's going to have booted TikTok out of the country. And Facebook and YouTube are going to have realized that these products don't monetize as well as regular long-form video on YouTube or Facebook's other monetization products, and they're going to start to decline them in relevance in their algorithms. That's my prediction. Then you need more efficiency. You need more efficiency. Just Um, get more efficient. Yeah, I mean, I'll say uh, this is the last thing. Um, Actually, these two headlines together are great. I think they're very funny. Perfect example of where the government is at with tech regulation right now. White House goes after App Store gatekeepers, Apple and Google. So Commerce Department was like, you guys are gatekeepers. You got to open the floodgates. You got to let more things happen on your phones. Apple and Google face mounting pressure to remove TikTok from their app stores. And it's like, guys, (laughs) either you open the gates and you're like, stop being the gatekeepers, or you say, use your power to boot this app off your phones by removing it from the store. You, You cannot have both things. Open the gates, but not like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shut uh, up a little bit. I just say this is like a totally weird moment, right? Where TikTok is still in its ascendancy culturally for sure because the Chinese government pours money into ByteDance. And we ByteDance is not a public company, so we have no idea how it works here. We, we can't see into the company to see if it's growing or if the advertising is working. And then these other competitors are all public companies that are losing money because the market's down, a lot of this other stuff, and they're under pressure to compete with TikTok. And it's just a weird dynamic where the answer is going to be Facebook convinces the United States government to ban TikTok. I swear to you this is going to happen. It's going to be great. All right, we got to wrap this up. We are over, as always. I want to call out some things. We've got a great piece about the EV price war where my contributor to the Virgin, Patrick George. Basically, his thesis is like, you see the Mustang Mach-E get a price reduction, you see the Tesla get a price reduction, just wait until there's actual competition in this market. And that's good. I want to call it Sean Hollister, who has just dogged the Eufy company for claims about encryption on its home security cameras. I mean, you just got to read the lead of this piece. It's like, first they lied, then they deflected, <laughs> then they lied again. And now they've telling me the truth. And the truth is the cameras were not encrypted. And then he has all the responses. No, they had a lot of words for uh, not encrypted. It's a a fascinating read. (laughs) Yeah, end-to-end encryption and somehow became into not really. Yeah, (laughs) into somewhere. (laughs) Uh, I want to call it Addie Robertson, who wrote the great headline, The OK Computer, about the Lisa, the Apple Lisa. Uh, It's the history of the Lisa. We've got a big partnership with the Computer History Museum to make stuff like this. So this is part of that partnership. It's an amazing piece, which is the history, the genesis of Lisa. This thing obviously failed. You can tell that the Verge loves fail technology. We're like, springboard, the Lisa. This is what we do here. <laughs> the sob stories. There's actually much more to come on Lisa coverage because of the anniversary. Uh, we, there was a big event at the Computer History Museum. It was like adorable. All the people who worked on Lisa were there. Um, it was fun. We sent, we sent a bunch of people there. And then... Lastly, I got to shout out Mia, who wrote, 
I would say a disappointing piece. Like the piece is good, excellent reporting. Me is a great reporter, well written, the whole thing. But the piece is disappointing about CNET and this private equity company that is like hollowing it out from the inside. And it's our direct competitor. So there's your disclosure. I know that CNET's our competitor, but we know a lot of people in the CNET newsroom. They have been a great competitor for a long time, and now it's like a private equity vulture is turning it into this like SEO-driven machine. It is worth reading. I keep going on and about Google. As Allison mentioned, like Google search results are getting worse. Why are they getting worse? Because companies are getting better at gaming Google. And so like the architecture of the web is like based on Google's influences. And the CNET story is like a microcosm of what happens when you pivot from making good stuff to making things you think Google will like. And there's a real difference in that. Uh, we'll see though. But okay, that's it. Go read all that stuff. Thanks to Monica for joining us. Allison, thank you so much. Thank you. Richard, as always, you can tweet at us. I'm at Reckless. Allison is Allison Joe one Richard is RJCC. And Monica is MC Squared 96. Next week on Wednesday, we're going to run a special Land of the Giants episode. We're doing a series on dating apps right now. Dating apps are the, like the wild west of technology. They're the weirdest. The Land of the Giants is the rise of dating apps this season. It's very cool. We're on that on Wednesday. You can call the hotline 866-VERGE-11. That's it. That's the first cast. And that's a wrap for VergeCast this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, subscribe in the podcast app of your choice or tell a friend. You can send us feedback at VergeCast at TheVerge.com. This show is produced by me, Liam James, and our senior audio director, Andrew Marino. This episode was edited and mixed by Amanda Rose Smith. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters, and our executive producer is Eleanor Donovan. The VergeCast is a production of The Verge and Vox Media Podcast Network. And that's it. We'll see you next week.